Welcome to FNI Performance Podcast, powered by SimTech Dealer Services, your source for everything FNI. Real talk, real experts, real results. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, what's going on, FNI Nation? It is Jason Harris here. Thank you for joining me another episode of the FNI Performance Podcast, sponsored by SimTech Dealer Services. Hey, today I'm joined by two very special guests. I have both Steve and Dina with me today. Hey guys, for everyone out there uh, listening and watching and kind of don't know who you are, how you guys started in the industry, I think it'd be cool to kick off this podcast with a couple origin stories. Steve, I'll have you start first. How did you get started in the automotive industry? Uh, well, Jason, like most uh, people in this industry, I started off very young. Uh, kind of born into it. My mother was an accountant for a car dealership. My father was a mechanic for car dealerships. Uh, my whole life, I've just been around the business. Uh, started off cleaning cars. I thought I was going to go the mechanic route. Didn't end up going that route. Ended up in sales, F&I, and then now at SimTech. I've uh, been through multiple roles at SimTech, and my uh, current role today is vice president of uh, Ontario and Western Canada for the sales department. Awesome. Thanks, Steve. Hey, Dina, yourself, how did you get started in this crazy little world we call the automotive industry? <laughs> I started out in uh, working for a manufacturer, Captive Finance, originally uh, on the leasing and uh, retail side. And then from there, moved over to an automotive lender, where is really where I started working in special finance. And then from there, now at SimTech specifically doing special finance as a specialist, helping out dealers and customers. And, and that's what today's topic is really going to be all about is special financing, which is cool because it is a close topic to my heart. I mean, it was one of the first jobs I actually had in the industry. So I'm excited to kind of jam with both of you guys and go over this. Hey, Dina, you know, for everybody out there uh, that don't know what we mean, because I know in our industry, we like to use a lot of jargon, <laughs> three-letter acronyms and just uh, words that are not normally used in the English language. Um, what What is special financing exactly? Special finance, which, as you said, in the, in the auto industry, in, in some cases, it's even called non-prime, you'll hear, or subprime as well. And then, of course, special finance. Basically, it's where a customer doesn't qualify for the traditional prime rates that are posted at dealerships in some cases. So the reason being is either it could be personal circumstances, it could be because of mispayments, a bankruptcy and a proposal. Now, I, I know a lot of franchise dealers out there don't put a lot of emphasis on the special finance portion of the business. And I think for the for a reason they think that, you know, I'm just a franchise dealer. I mean, I get subvented rates from my manufacturer. You know, why do I really need to worry about, you know, special financing? Um, can you kind of explain, you know, to the dealers that are listening, you know, how does it really affect, you know, that revenue stream for a dealership? Yeah. It, well, when you're, when you're focusing on specifically your prime customer, you're obviously missing out on a piece of the market as well. So you're not marketing 100% of your market right away. And, and as far as additional revenue streams, with special finance deals, they are above average gross profits in those deals. It's increased F&I product sales, reconditioning, and as well, overturning inventory, not only used cars, but also your new car as well. 
Hey, Steve, for yourself, you know, what are your thoughts on how a special financing affects a dealership's revenue stream? I would say the effect is uh, if you read all the industry uh, news, you know, jargon, call it what you will, but it's 30% of the market right now. Um, so if you're looking to um, make capture 30% of the market and not just 70%, uh, I think that could affect your, your dealership, uh, your bottom line in a big way. Yeah, good point. You know, I mean, for, for everyone out there, I mean, 30% of the business. I mean, we're not talking about a small percent of the bitches. Why Why do so many dealers ignore this? Yeah, any thoughts, Steve? I'll start with you. Yeah. I, like everything is, is not knowing. In a lot of ways, just not knowing uh, whether it's uh, how to set up the department, how to, um, you know, create a, a job for that department. Uh, oftentimes, we, we expect people who are really, really good at doing one thing or maybe two things. To, to pop in here, maybe a traditional F&I manager who's used to, you know, they're more focused on selling a product, delivering a car, right? Bank financing is part of the duty, absolutely. And getting in, a, securing an approval and delivering the car and getting funded. Um, but in a lot of ways, um, the, the subprime process is completely opposite to a traditional, you know, 10 step sales process in a dealership. So I would say it's starting with not knowing. Um, and, and in some cases, you know, Jason, we've talked about it. Um, it's it's a lot of work, and you have to be willing to put in that work. And if you're not, it will probably fail. It it, it is a lot of work. I mean, dealerships have to realize, to your point, Steve, is that you're not really selling. You're selling a car, but you're actually selling the financing before you're selling a car. At least that's the way I've always kind of approached it. I mean, do you know why do you think dealerships struggle? You know, with uh, with special financing. Well, as you both touched on as well, so with dealers being either unequipped or unaware of how to support the customer through that process, through the special finance car buying process. So I, I find it's, it's more on that too as well. No, I, I'm with you. It is all about process. I mean, in fact, actually, right now, our entire industry is all about process. I mean, I, I find that the dealerships out there that are doing well, and I foresee continue to do well, are going to process their way to profitability. I like that process that their way to profitability. But it's true, though, right? And and we have to do the exact same thing with our subprime, non-prime, or special financing, you know, customers. It all comes down to the process. You know, so, you know, let's let's do this real quick, you know, for everyone out there that's listening, watching, let's let's talk a little bit about that process. Like, what is that? What does that look like? Steve, I'll start with you. And then Dina, I'll ask you the same question. You know, what does that process look like for you, Steve? At the very beginning is setting up a department uh, or within your store, uh, having the necessary tools to get it going. Um, once you once you've established that within your dealership, uh, it's the leads, right? If you're not advertising or spending any of your advertising dollars today um, looking for subprime, um, then, you know, you're probably not going to be successful. There's tons of companies and, and training companies that are fantastic that um, I, I have the ability to watch on LinkedIn and, and listen to their uh, expertise. And it's wonderful uh, to help. But generating those leads, uh, in some cases, buying the leads, sometimes you get them organically through walking through the door. But again, when you have uh, companies out there who are specifically um, advertising and, and driving that business, you know, you tend to have to get those into your store. 
once you have it, again, process, Jason, it's in a lot of ways backwards in the sense that uh, we're selling financing first and then a car. Once we've sold the car, we also have to make sure it fits within the budget of the customer and what the captive is willing to lend them. It, it, it is. It is. It's all about budgets, all about the process. It's I think it's it. it it starts off no different than how we start with a, a normal finance customer, right? Where we're, we're spending the time to do our needs analysis and understand what their situation is and kind of create that package, you know, for them. But we're building that, that, that finance package around the customer, not around a car, which is that's, that's the big difference, right? You know, is that we're always kind of building finance package around the car. Like I know I can only finance up to 115% of the booked value on this. So if I move this around and I make this change and then, you know, I can present it in a way that the bank's going to want to buy into it, but that's not the case with the subprime we're, or the non-prime. Actually, you know what, what word do you guys like to use? I I'm literally, I, I hear it three, you know, three special financing, non-prime, subprime, what, what, I'm curious from both of you. What, what, which which word do you guys prefer to use? Uh, for me, I would finance. say subprime. That that's what. Uh, <laughs> but we, I think we should probably go with special finance. All right, we'll go with special financing. I mean, that's the I, I think what it is industry term. <laughs> well, I think when we both started, in, when we all started in the industry, we all started, and that's what it was called, right? It was it was yeah. it was all called subprime. In fact, actually, I worked in the subprime department that was one of my early jobs but but no we, we we do have to package that way uh dina for your for yourself you know um advice about creating that process around the customer not necessarily around the financing yeah so around the customer really it's not taking that customer through the prime process taking them through a special finance process. So pre-approval and pre-qualifying the customer ahead and taking them through the right process, which will pre-qualifying so that you, they are a special finance customer, then taking them through that pre-approval process. I, I find one of the biggest keys for that is communication. Like I, I, I you know, all of the subprime customers, sorry, special financing, uh, special financing customers I've had in the past, you know, I, I, I going into it prepared myself for a lot of communication. And I feel like that's where dealerships start to struggle a little bit is they don't realize the amount of over communicating and the time it kind of takes to nourish, you know, these type of applications to the point of purchase. Now, uh, Steve, you mentioned something a little earlier that I'd actually like to go back and touch on because I wrote it down here is, is buying leads. You know, um, you know, when I first started in the industry, that, that, that was pretty foreign. And, you know, I remember when, you know, one of the, some of the first companies that started to come out and saying, hey, you know, for, you know, 30, 40 bucks, you can buy these finance leads. And, you know, they're slightly pre-qualified or there was a soft pull on their credit. So, you know, they were just kind of one step above. And I remember these, these were like... These were like the golden leads, you know, when you think of like Glenn Glary, Glenn Ross, you know, it's like those right. were the those were the leads you wanted, right? Everybody wanted those leads. But I have to say that industry's changed a lot. You know, well, first things first, it's no longer 30, 40 bucks a lead, right? No. <laughs> I, mean, I have dealers that are telling me they're paying anywhere from 100 to $200 a lead. Yeah, I think the average going rate's 125 150 Yeah, is, is, is that what you're finding, Dina, as well? I bet it's been a while, so I've been out of, out of that space. But what's the average price you've heard of people buying leads right now for? Uh, 
Yeah, exactly. Like Steve said, and then and then some ca cases, depending on where they're located, if more leads are being purchased in that area, it could be higher or, or not as many than lower. But originally, what Steve said basically is is where it is. Yeah. You know, the problem I find interesting is you hear these horror stories of dealers buying these leads that got sold to two other dealers, you know, and it's like they get a recycled lead. And I think there are companies out there that are doing phenomenal work. And then I think there's some companies that mm, may have been pushing the envelope a little bit. I mean, for dealers out there, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on this, you know, who are buying leads, you know, what should they be looking for when they approach these lead companies? Steve, I'll start with yourself. Then Dean, I'll ask you as well. Uh, I'll actually defer to Dina on this one. She has way more experience. Okay, yeah, Dina, for yourself. As far as what uh, a dealer would look at when they're purchasing with a lead source. Yeah, how do they know that they're getting high so, quality leads? Yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely word of mouth speaking to other dealerships, uh, see who they're using helps a lot, right? Because I've even done that with different dealers that I've spoke to, right? To see what conversions they had on different lead sources, uh, reaching out to the, the lead sources, asking what their guidelines are as far as what they provide for the lead. Is it, you know, are they working so many months? Is there a minimum income? If the phone number is not valid, do you refund that? So just looking at all of that before purchasing and then just going out to two or three different lead sources, getting pricing and uh, just talking to even other dealers, like I mentioned. And I think once you got the leads, it's like, what do you do with them? Yeah. You know, I, I think there's a fair amount of dealerships out there that are willing, like, okay, you know, I'll try this out. I'll, I'll buy, you know, three, four, five thousand dollars worth of leads and see what I can do with it. But I find that those, those leads just end up getting handed over to a traditional FNI manager who had no training, uh, no process, and said, here, do something with these. <laughs> that's about the extent of the direction that they're usually given. Um, but I, you know, when we do get these leads, we can't just do something with it. We have to have a clear plan. And, you know, Steve, you had mentioned it actually a little earlier. You talked about an F&I department, you know, like I, I think people seem to think that this is just something that you can just kind of grab and just, it's the same person that does all the other F&I works, the same person that does the special financing. And, and that's not, necessarily the case so you know for the dealerships out there that are, are thinking about getting into this that are, are willing to buy these leads you know what advice can you give them as far as kind of getting that department off the ground dina i'll start with you and then steve i'll ask you the same question yeah having a, a specialized department that's handling these leads so in the case where the customer's pre-qualified ahead you know that their special finance customer as soon as possible, getting them through over to a specialist within that department that can work on that lead. And that's more of the walk-in. But for the lead coming in uh, by email or through a CRM or whatnot, having that specialized person reach out to that, that lead that has word tracks and they also are working with a specialist as well, whether you have someone that does the call separate or the specialist is doing the call. But that person has specific word tracks they're using they know the lenders, uh, they know looking at a credit bureau, what to look for and uh, working with the, that customer specifically. That's good. Uh, Steve, for yourself? A department on its own is ideal. 
um, it, it is a, it is a big investment, uh, but that return on investment um, could be. Now, what what kind of investment? You know, you've seen a lot of these departments built. Like, you know, what is the dealership that's that doesn't know, you know, what it takes to create the department? Are we talking? Are we talking two, three people? Um, are we talking training expenses? Are we talking? To, you know, you know, what is, what would you kind of say would be an ideal kind of uh, initial setup? I would say at least one person dedicated with an office as as a starter. Um, training, depending on the person's abilities, uh, that that could be something that you would look into. Absolutely. Uh, if someone's never done it before, well, if you don't train them, how do you expect them to work out? And we hear a lot of times in our industry is, you know, I'm going to wait two or three months to send in the training to see if they see if they work out. I said, well, never makes what if sense. You don't, what if you don't send them? What then? Um, yeah. So department. And I think in terms of uh, the initial investment, uh, when done properly is, is the inventory. You mentioned it earlier, Jason, booking a car. Uh, if we don't have the right vehicles on our lot that book properly, um, that, that fit within a, a consumer's budget, it's going to be tough to not only have the customer approved, uh, but also get the right car that's, that can work within their budget. So, you know, the initial investment could be somewhat heavy. Uh, and again, depending on your appetite, uh, if 30% if of the clients that walk through your door, 30% of the clients in this country that are buying vehicles are subprime, um, again, your return on investment could be very great, um, but you have to be willing to put up some money. Uh, it will take some time. Um, you can definitely take the route of generating leads uh, or sorry, buying leads. Um, and, and you can even go take it, take one step back. And if you have a, a good training program, word tracks with your salespeople to identify someone who is special finance prior to walking them through a traditional sales process, that's a big one. We, we see that in our industry. I mean, we're, we're in the training F&I business, right? That's what we do. We train F&I managers to um, sell products. What happens is, is you take someone who's special finance, take them through a traditional process. They come into F&I, they buy, they don't buy. Uh, but the minute that that, that deal is, is not approved, right? You're, you're, you're starting to unwind, right? And, and that's where most F&I managers... Uh, don't know what to do and not because they don't care. It's just, they've never been trained on it. They don't have a ton of experience. Uh, if you deal with someone who's been in the business 15, 20 years, they have a pretty good idea of what to do. They've been through it. Uh, in fact, you know, when I was an F and I manager 12 years ago, we had two subprime lenders, sorry, special finance lenders. That was it. Uh, now I, I, Dina could let us know exactly how many there are, but I know there's a lot. Okay. No, I, I, my dealership was kind of set up the same way. I mean, you know, the, the first, the F&I manager would take a crack at it. And then if it didn't work out, then it came to me. And then, it, and then it was my responsibility. But I, I actually thought it worked out really well, Steve, to your point. And, Dean, I'm going to ask you about this as well, um, is having those two separate people. Because, you know, I definitely didn't look at the application the same way that the other person was looking at the application. Cause I was looking more at the person. It was more looking at the car. All right. I mean, I literally have to almost kind of, I actually remember going through the folder, pulling out all of the F and I managers notes, throwing them away and then restarting the whole process over again, you know, with now a fresh set of eyes. Um, Dina, do you, do you, would you recommend that for most dealerships kind of having that two person approach? Yeah, definitely having, having the, the separate specialist special finance department. 
so that it's not going to that original F&I or business manager. They're working on it for maybe a day or two. So it's like you're losing time there. And then also customers possibly shopping, then it's, then it goes to your special. So you know that it's, you know, special finance, get it over right away. Seamless transition to the specialist to work with a customer. And of course, like you mentioned earlier, the loan to values, you have to know about, you know, checking car, car faxes and, and loan to values and, and inventory and everything. So you need that specialist to be able to work with the customer for a good customer experience along the way. You, you know what? That's actually a really good point, Dina. I mean, you know, I actually got to the point where I was actually telling the used car manager what cars to buy because I, I was just going to say that because your, I knew which ones they were. As a special finance manager, is yeah. your used car manager. Yeah. I mean, I remember, I remember he'd go to the auction. I'm like, if you can find any more of those 07 Mitsubishi Galants, just buy them all. Um, yeah. Because at that point in time, I remember we were picking up these Galants, you know, from, they were two-year-old, you know, Mitsubishi Galants, you know, which were a big full-size sedan. So they worked well for a lot of families, oh, right? And, you know, we're picking these things up the auction for like 8,500 bucks. Yeah, they were booking out at like 16 grand. And it was just like, so it was like, I had a lot of room <laughs> and it was like all day long. I just, it was, it, it was, it was, it was great. But I mean, I got really close with my used car manager. In fact, we had many, many lunches together. <laughs> but I mean, that's kind of the relationship. One of the things I wanted to <clears throat> just mention, and Dina just touched on it, but it was really important. Uh, taking someone who's special finance through a prime process, telling them that they're declined, right? Say at a, a subvented rate. The first thing they'll do is probably go shopping, knowing what they know now, right? Uh, they're going to go somewhere else. And, and now they'll have the information they need to let the new car dealership sell them a car, right? In your scenario where they would hand it off to you, you're already at a disadvantage because they know they've been declined and they probably have went somewhere else to try to buy a car, right? If we take them through the special finance from the beginning, um, it, not only does it have a better chance of closing that deal, uh, in a lot of ways, it's a better customer experience, right? That they're not having to go through the process twice. They're not having to look at two cars or three cars and test driving them. Um, we can get it done right the first time. No, that's actually a really good point, Steve. Um, you know, I did feel like a lot of times I was getting the scraps. You know, I was getting the leftovers. It was like, okay, we weren't able to do something with this. Let's get Jason involved. He'll figure sure. something out, right? Um, but like, so I like this, you know, being special financing first. And I do know dealerships that are doing this. Um, you know, Dina, what does it look like, you know, to be special financing first versus kind of getting the, the scraps or the leftovers of the of the prime, you know, F and I department. Yeah, so it's really in a case where not all customers just go to an F and I specialist, and then along the way find out they are special finance customer, and like Steve was saying, backtracking and then sending it over. So even at, I mean, as far as bureaus, we lenders don't only go by scoring. But in some cases, you can set a borderline for the scoring as well, where it is, okay, if it's this, then it goes to special finance. That's more on the walk-ins. But I mean, as far as leads coming in, a specialized department that handles all of those leads specifically. And then the walk-ins, you could have where there's a borderline, okay, it's special finance, it goes right to the, that department specifically. And that way, the other F&I doesn't get involved. 
No, it, it, the dealership really kind of has to be kind of a, a credit first, you know, car second kind of mentality. Um, you know, I remember when I first moved here, you know, to Canada, we were talking a little bit before we started shooting here that, I, I, yes, I'm an American. I know everyone's in shock. Your mouths are drawn open right now. What? Yes, I am an American. I've been in Canada for the last, you know, 12 years now. But I remember the first dealership that I was doing some work with was a Ford dealership. And uh, they were busy on a Saturday. I said, hey, do you you need an extra set of hands? I can help out. I was there doing some training and consulting. And they're like, yeah, absolutely. So there was a a couple walking around the dealership. So I grabbed them and, and they were interested in taking out this Lincoln Navigator for a test drive. I was like, that's a good choice. Nice truck. You know, so I set them down and I started just doing what I always knew to do was to start reviewing some of their financing. And I got a credit application, brought it over to the sales manager. And I said, Hey, these guys are going to go on a test drive. Can you just do a soft check on this real quick? Uh, before, so, when, so I have it ready when I come back. And he just looked at me like, he was just like, what, what are you talking about? Like, I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean? Like, do you, I'm sorry, do you know these guys? Cause I don't know if they can find it's a hot dog. Um, <laughs> like they want to go drive an $85,000 truck, you know? And it's like, I, I found out real quick in Canada that there were just a lot of dealerships that were so focused on the product and they weren't these finance first, you know, dealerships, but that's a, that's a mind shift, right? You know, and Dina, to your point, you know, I think that there's a lot of confusion out there. What a, what a soft pole is versus a hard pole. And, you know, and people are always concerned that, well, you know, I don't want you to check my credit before I, you know, go on a test drive, but that doesn't necessarily mean we have to, at least to get an idea if they are a special financing customer or if they're going to be a prime financing customer. Dina, what are some of the processes or best practices that you've seen to identify you know, special financing customers out there right now? Yeah, so for, I'll, I'll speak as far as a, a more of a walk-in. So with, with even sales, as far as using word tracks, and of course, building the rapport, you know, just have to, right off the bat, do you want to take advantage of our pre-approval process right off the bat, Build, building rapport, talking about the vehicle? And, and then at a certain point, using a word track, do you want to take advantage of our pre-approval process and just opening up the conversation. And if anything comes up, then you know that they are special finance, then you know that it's gonna to go to a specialist in the case where possibly something doesn't come up. I mean, one of the first things, how do you know what lender to send it to as well without seeing the bureau too, right? So. It, it all comes down to training. And it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's training for the F&I manager, but it's actually kind of a whole dealership training. Like everybody kind of has to be on board with this. It's, you know, that, and this is why I see, you know, when a dealership comes to me, he goes, Hey Jay, I'm, I'm going to start doing some special financing. Cause you know, I've heard the profitability is like really good. I'm like, that's great. What's the plan? Uh, because there is, there's a lot that goes into it. It's not just one person sitting in the back office, just, you know, typing away the whole dealership has to participate in this. And Dina, I think that's a great idea as far as, you know, asking the customer if they want to get pre-approved. You know, look, I know that special financing customers already have a sense that they're special financing customers. So, you know, having that conversation about the financing early on, you know, they, they, they will say, you know, yes, I would like to do that. And that's usually a tall tale sign that they are, they, they're aware that, you know, they've had some, maybe some blimps and blurps in their, in their credit in the past, but let's talk a little bit about training. Um, because I think 
you train the F&I manager differently than you trained your prime F&I manager, but then you, there's also training for the sales team all together. Um, Dina, I'll, I'll start with you, get some best ideas and practices for training, and then Steve, I'll ask you the same question. Dina? Yeah, yeah, I would say as far as for sales, really having a streamlined process, which everyone everybody follows, not one person doing one thing, one some, doing something else, Specific word tracks, like I mentioned earlier, as far as the, do you want to take advantage of our pre-approval process as a possible word track from the initial conversations to open that to hopefully, like I said, open, open that conversation to whether they are special finance. And then um, also making sure that there's a seamless transition from that sales floor to the specialist as well. And that everybody's on the same page. And there's a specific process in the dealership for that. Now let's talk a little bit about process. You know, um, I've visited a lot of dealerships and process. I ask them where their process is and they're like, I got a process. I got a process. And it's like up here somewhere. <laughs> process has to be well documented, written down if, if we're expecting everybody to follow it, right? So 100%. it's just, it has to, there's just no other way of getting around it. For me, I, I tell everybody a process doesn't exist unless it's been documented and there's some measurable um, results against that process. You know, I'm, I, I think about my, my first kick of the can at the special financing, uh, you know, business is, you know, I, I had a process and my first process sucked. Like, I was not getting the results that I wanted, you know, and, and, and I was like, what am I going to change it? And that's when I really started to document, to your point, Tina, my word tracks, what I was saying, how often I was saying it, what I was saying on the phone versus what I was saying in person, what I was saying over my email communications. And I was documenting all of that so that I could get some measurable results against the process that I had put in place. But if I had never documented that process, everything would have just been up here. I would have just been blindfolded, you know, swinging a baseball bat around, hoping that I hit the pinata. And that's just, that's not the way that we have to do F and I, we have to get very process oriented with that. Sorry to jump off that tangent i just i hear process and i get really passionate uh, <laughs> uh steve for yourself um you know some kind of best ideas or tips about you know training uh, the the staff and and f and i manager for the special financing part of the business yeah so the first thing is um, making it a priority uh, if it's a priority and you have a documented process that you can uh you can you can measure uh share results Share, to share statistics. As an example, we had 100 walk-ins this week, uh, 25 we converted that were special finance uh, to the special finance department. Uh, of those 25, we had 12 approvals and we delivered eight. If you can have those metrics that you can share with the team, um, you, you can measure whether you're up, you're down, you're flat. Um, that would be number one. Um, and consistency. Again, it's we all have great ideas and great, great processes. We could talk about them. We could write them down uh, until they're executed in a consistent manner uh, and, and revisited often. Um, those would be the key takeaways. We're in dealerships every day. We, un unfortunately, uh, we see a lot of turnover, right? So if that new person who's being onboarded isn't up to speed, that's a, that's a crack uh, that needs to be filled. And it has to be part of your day to day. Um, the other thing I would say for the, the managers uh, running the store is get yourself immersed in it as well. 
right? Don't, don't leave it up to that one person to run that department and, and not exactly know what's going on at all times. Uh, because if that one person leaves, then what happens? You don't have a special finance department anymore. That's what happens all the time. Uh, it's unfortunate. Uh, we see it in F&I as well. One person leaves and, and their, their F&I department, they don't have one. Um, you know, our dealer partners, we have a, a function where we'll sit, we can actually fill in for your F&I manager uh, a week at a time in, in a traditional sense that we do that today. Uh, we also have Dina who helps out dealers for special finance customers. So that's a nice tool that we have. But for a dealer who, who needs someone 365 days a year, uh, get yourself immersed in it or your general manager, your, your sales managers, um, so that you understand it. And when you see even something out on a sales floor that didn't go right, you can correct it um, and, and right away. You know, how much business do you think we're losing? You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, so many dealerships I go into are, are vehicle first, vehicle first, vehicle first. I mean, I mean, Dina, you probably can answer this and Steve, you probably have an idea as well. Like, how many deals do you think are walking out the door? How many emails are not being responded to correctly? Because we never sat down and created a process. So, Jason, we hear this all the time, is that we, uh, we don't have many special finance customers who come through our door. We just don't get them. That's crazy. Uh, I hear it once a week at least. Um, and based on statistics, and again, I didn't make them up. I read about them. Um, that means that, you know, 30% of the people you missed. If you didn't have one or you hardly get any, but 30% of the market is special finance, you've missed 30% of them. It, to me, it's, it, it, it starts there. If you say that you don't get one, but, you know what? That number is so insanely high, though. Like, it, it, almost to the point where I'm like, are you, really? I mean, are, are we, are, is, is our belly so full that we're okay with losing out 30% of opportunities out there? Or, you know, is, is it just simply because, and Steve, you mentioned it earlier, Dina, I'm actually, I'm going to say up for this question is, is it because we just don't measure? <laughs> Like, yeah. you know, is, is that what it is? I mean, Dean, I mean, really, in all honesty, yeah. you're in, in and out of a lot of dealerships. I mean, yeah. how many dealerships, honestly, out there are measuring the losses? Yeah, as far as special finance, not many, not many. Meaning, meaning that to a point where if I ask a question as far as, and we touched on it, as far as how many leads came in and how it flows through the process, a lot of times I just can't get that answer quickly. Not that they don't have it somewhere, but as far as high level, how that customer went through the process and what are the high level numbers of conversion along the way. Many, many do not have it unless looking for it and, and searching for hours to, to find it kind of thing. So on a daily, on a daily, yeah, definitely. Whether it's uh, not following up with a customer in a timely manner, sending it to the incorrect lenders and uh, not even reaching out to a lender. So losing customers along those ways as well too. So, you know, I, look, we're, we're in a time frame in our industry that that's just not acceptable. Like it's just not going to work. You know, I mean, you know, we've we we've come off of a five year period where we ran double digit gains quarter after quarter after quarter after quarter. This last year we were flat. I mean, this year we all know <laughs> this is going to be a rough, like the next couple of years is going to be a rough time for us. I mean, we can't let 
little things like that slip through the cracks. And, you know, I, I think for anybody out there that's watching and listening right now, I mean, that's that's the best starting point is the measurement. You know, it's like if, if, if documenting process overwhelms you, okay, that's fine. I'm okay with that, right? But, you know, literally just putting, I don't care if it's check marks for crying out loud on a piece of scratch paper, you know, if that's, if that's where you got to start. But I think measuring our results is the first place because then that's when it kind of opens our eyes and saying, wow, man, there's eight deals last week that just fell through the cracks. I hear that. I hear that comment a lot. How often, Dina, you're in dealerships a lot. How often do you hear that comment? It just fell through the cracks. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of cracks going on for sure. <laughs> there, there is there is a lot of cracks going uh, on. Yeah. <laughs> but it's true. It's just feel like our dealerships are built like that. It's because of our lack of process, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then uh yeah, whether it's uh with with special finance obviously taking more time to work on, right? And then uh there's that and then even as far as lender wise, making sure you have the right lenders. So uh, if it's not the right lender being sent to and it's, it's declined and it's sitting there, right? So just like things falling through the cracks. Like well, you know, let's talk a little real quick about time and lenders, you know, because uh, again, I think that's great prep work, right? Like if I was to tell somebody, hey, start measuring, you know, and then, you know, start taking a look and embrace the time aspect. So, you know, measure your at-bats, which <laughs> as an industry, we should all be doing, um, and even more so importantly now than ever, and then kind of start measuring out the time. What is, you know, a respectful amount of time? Like if dealerships out there, like how much time do I have to allocate, you know, to a special finance customer versus maybe a non-prime just so I can, you know, prepare myself for, you know, the staffing that requirements are going to be necessary. Dina, what would you say that average time would be? So are we, are we talking as far as how long to get back to the customer once the application is submitted? The uh, oh, overall process. So it's like, you right, know, just right. versus subprime from versus non-prime special financing versus, yeah, from the beginning, how much longer would it normally take? Within 24 hours, really. I mean, from the, from when it starts, really, because even, even as it, it starts, it goes to a specialist, they work on the financing. Lenders do not take that, well, I know some more than others, but overall, they don't take that long to get back as far as the financing, right? So you should know pretty fast. Let's. And, and that, you don't want the customer sitting and wondering and going everywhere, shopping and online. So that, that's just a horrible, horrible experience, right? Let's talk a little bit about lenders, you know, because I, I do talk to dealerships who are venturing to go down the special financing route. And they're like, I'm like, well, cool. What kind of lenders have, are you set up with? He goes, you know, I got the normals, you know, I got my RBC and I got my TD and I'm like, Ah, there, there's different variations of lenders in the special financing business. And Dina, can you, can you talk a little bit about, you know, the kind of the different levels of lenders out there? Yeah. So with, within, with, within the special finance, you'll have your subprime, which you're looking at higher rates, possible GPS installations and whatnot. So higher risk. Then you have your non-prime, which sits more in the middle of special finance. And you have your near a prime, which is not quite prime, but near near to that. So 
I would say within that is is all of the special finance. And don't you think you have to have a lender for kind of each level? Makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I've seen I've seen the best the best strategy out there is where they they kind of have a, a specific lender or maybe a couple lenders for kind of each level. So as they're working through the files and kind of moving the paperwork along, you know, that's I think that's a great strategy to have. But you do it; it's, it's the prep work that kind of goes into it. But at the core of everything that we're talking about today is like we have to measure our efforts and we have to develop our processes document those processes so that so so that we can get the better results and we need to embrace training like we, we like this is not one person this is not you know here go take an online class for two hours and now you know what to do like this is a commitment it is a real commitment but you know steve to your point like you said 30 percent like it, it's a commitment worth taking you know, like we're not we're not talking chump change here. You know, this is and and I think right now more so than ever is going to be incredibly important. I think we're going to see more special financing customers. You know, moving into it. I I went through the recession, and you know, I mean, I was an F and I manager just after the recession, and the amount of files that our I was going through literally almost quadrupled. In a, in a single month period, and it was it was a lot of work. So I think dealerships really need to be prepared about this and be thinking about this. All right, guys, uh, I I know we're getting towards the tail end of our time, but I'm going to ask you guys one more question before we kind of sign off here. And I know we've alluded to it a few times, and we've brought home a couple bullet points, but I just want to put that last nail in the coffin. All right, why should dealerships, you know, take on more subprime customers? Steve, I'll start with you, and then Dina, I'll ask you the same question. Um. Again, we, we've talked about it a lot in this in this podcast. It's thirty percent of the market. Uh, if you're not doing any today, that's thirty percent of business that you're uh, potentially missing out on uh, that your competitors are getting. That would be the, the the biggest reason. And and based on the situation we're in today, it's May May twelfth, twenty twenty. The pandemic that's going on. Uh, our unemployment rates are as high as they've ever been. Uh, in fact, they're increasingly getting to be the highest they've ever been since 1982 and, and, and beyond. Uh, special finance isn't going away. In fact, it's probably going to increase in a big, big way for the next year or two. Um, and, and being prepared, number one, with a, with a process that you can execute, that you can measure. Uh, if, if you've thought about it or have been thinking about it, uh, now is really the time probably to start making that investment. So, I mean, Steve, I mean, how much emphasis, just out of curiosity, I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask you anyways, how much emphasis would you put on that pre-approval process? Again, I think now more than ever, the pre-approval process is, is going to benefit a car dealership in a big way. Uh, having a, a, a soft pull on their, their credit bureau can help you navigate uh, which way is this customer going to go? What can they qualify for? Um, you know, even take it one step further. Uh, how many times have they inquired for financing in the last six months, right? It tells you that right off the bat, your inquiries will give you, will tell you more about a customer and what they've done than you could ever know by asking a few questions. Yeah. The story's uh, the story's there, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's oftentimes we hear, Oh, you know, but it costs money to pull a bureau. Well, how much time and money does it cost you to sell someone something that they couldn't qualify for in the first place? I always hated that excuse. Like I just seriously, like I always hated that excuse. It's like, well, does it cost money to pull a car proof before you took a vehicle in? Like, would you not? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it, I, but I, I remember I've actually gotten that excuse a few times. I'm like, I, I almost laugh. Cause I'm like, really, really? 
the amount of time wasted. Yeah, I've heard it quite know, a bit. Like you think about the amount of time you'd waste, you know, not knowing that information, right? Anyways, I digress. <laughs> well, and, and and further to that, to take it one step further, you know, the commissionable salesperson um, is going away a little bit, right? So they're paying CSRs or customer service reps uh, to be on the floor at all times, uh, where it's it's literally an investment on time, right? Rather than a sale. So if it, it, when it was just a commissional salesperson, it didn't matter if they spent four hours with them and the car didn't get delivered. Now more than ever, as dealerships are traditionally to have a customer service rep that maybe gets a salary and a bonus structure, it's just their time. So why not you know, cut that down in terms of a pre-approval, knowing exactly where you stand prior to, to doing a, a vehicle presentation or test drive and close. No, I, I remember, you know, when I was the special financing manager, I mean, there were salespeople that that had a great strategy. They knew to bring me their customers early on once they got a few questions answered certain ways. They're like, ooh, you know what? Let me introduce you to Jason real quick just before we head out and you know, and go any farther. So like, but you're right though. Like we have to think that way and moving forward, it's gonna be incredibly important. Dina, I'm gonna set you up for the exact same question. You know, why should a dealership take on special financing customers right now? Your thoughts. With setting the right expectations and, and even the right special finance sales process, it's really just going to help with customer satisfaction. And in turn, it's going to be loyalty and a positive buying experience. Really, you're going to just have future sales. You're going to have customer referrals. And they're even going to help with your marketing because they're going to have positive reviews on your website. They're going to tell family and friends. And, and really, customers do buy based off of experience in some cases, even more than price. So, so this is the time to get those special finance customers. Definitely. Yeah, and Dina, sorry, great point. Uh, for those of us who've worked in the, the special finance industry, the most loyal customers hugely uh, loyal. you could ever have in your, uh, in your organization. Um, and, and when done properly in a credit restructuring program, having them come back, 12 to 18 months to see, has their credit score improved? Um, do they qualify for a better rate? And, and you can have them into a cycle. I've done it myself. I've personally done it myself. Got I someone have too. from, you know, a, a, a subprime or, or uh, uh, sorry, what was the middle section you mentioned, Dina? Um, <laughs> non-prime. Non-prime. And we've moved them into prime. It took three years. Um, and it, it was simply, you know, a bad situation that, got them into where they were and, and, and over time. And uh, to your point, Dina, loyalty uh, is everything for them. You know, in, in, in their lives, we solved a big problem in a big way for them. And for us, it was just doing our job and knowing how to do it. That's that's a great point. I mean, I think dealerships out there that are thinking about getting into the non-prime, you know, business have to understand that it, it, you get into it not just for the profitability for it, but for the customer experience. And Steve, I, I, I'm with you. I mean, you know, for a lot of my clients, you know, I, I would actually map out a path to prime, you know, and it could take two three, sometimes maybe four years to do it. But as long as they listened to me and did what I told them to do, I can move them into that. And they were the most loyal customers where I can tell you holidays, Christmas, 
I got more bottles of wine and I got more <laughs> chocolate chip cookies, all right, from those customers. And it got to the point, you know, here's the funny thing, Steve, is it actually got to the point where I had to stop buying leads because my referral business was getting so heavy that I was totally okay with no longer, I was buying less and less and less leads. I didn't have to rely on those because, you know, these customers were just walking, talking billboards for me. You know, they would be anywhere, a dinner party, a, a pub or something. And they'd be like, overhear somebody saying something. And they're like, hey, I got a guy. You got to go talk to Jason. All right. He took care of me. He will take care of you, you know. But that's, it was it was amazing. I averaged out so many referrals. Hey, guys, I, yeah. I, I know it's getting towards the uh, tail end of our time. So I get to ask my last question of the day. And then I'll let you guys go. All right. If you were to, if you were to change one thing in our industry, all right, what would that be and why? Steve, I'll start with you. And then Dean, I'll ask you the same question. Um, I, I would say embrace um, online video in a big way. Uh, Jason, obviously, you're, <laughs> you've embraced it. Uh, my LinkedIn page shows me. Um, but I love it. Um, and you see more and more dealerships uh, are embracing whether it's a used car walk around, uh, even uh, a couple of associates within their organization, they do a quick video with them. Um, embracing the use of video to, you know, one minute, one and a half snips. Um, I, I can tell you personally for myself and a father of a couple of young kids, um, those are the ones we watch all the time, right? If I'm looking up a, a product, that I'm thinking about purchasing, it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's a, a computer monitor or a pair of shoes, I always go look for a, a video first. That's what I do now. I don't look for reviews. I don't look to see how much they are. I say, oh, you know, I'm gonna go see if there's any videos on them and you look for them in a half. And I, I think in a big, big way, uh, I would love to see uh, our industry get to that point where uh, even on our side of things that we're coming out with a minute, minute and a half clips, uh, whether it's objection handling or, or how to fix a process, whatever the case may be, we all embrace it more because I believe that's going to be a big part of our future. Well, you know it what? It is. It is. And Steve, I think you'll get your wish granted um, because you know what? We got to the point now where, you know, to your, to your point, Steve, is the customer expects that. Like, you know, before it was kind of a good idea. It's like, oh, it's a right. good idea to create video. It's a good idea to put this stuff out there. Now the consumer they expect to see that. So I, I think you'll get it over the next few years. Um, Dina, for yourself, if you were to change one thing in our industry, what would that be and why? I would say as far as the credit reestablishment, which is definitely a huge thing, using that more as a, a consultant to the, to the actual customer and with along the, the credit reestablishment and obviously getting them into the better rates down the road, another vehicle, also helping them through that credit bureau and their credit and how you're going to guide them along the way as well. So being a more of a consultant along the way for the customer. That's, that, that's a great point. You know, Dina, um, who likes to be sold? Like really? Is anybody in the world really that that feeling of I got sold is the worst thing in the world? We have to embrace the consultant part of our business, and you know we've been using it in our on our business cards for a long time. 
But, you know, I think now more than ever, we really have to embrace the consultant um, nature of how we sell and how we generate relationships within our selling efforts. Hey, guys, for everyone out there listening and watching right now and would love to connect with you and uh, learn a little more about yourself and just kind of follow along with you guys, what is the best way to do so? Steve, I'll start with you. Uh, well, I can be connected on LinkedIn, uh, like most others. Uh, I can also be reached via email at steve.mcisaac at syntech.ca. Uh, and I thoroughly enjoy texting like the rest of the world. So my phone number is also posted on LinkedIn if you want to reach out via text. I love that. I mean, I think it's pretty bold. So you know what? I'm here. Text me. Let's have a conversation. I'm with you on that. Hey, Dina, for yourself, what is the best way to connect with you? Yeah, same thing. So on LinkedIn, you can find me. And also for Simtech, my first dot last name at simtech.ca, you can email me there anytime. And then uh, with my LinkedIn, you can reach out by phone as well. Awesome. Hey guys, again, thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me today. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks guys. Have yourself a good one. And that's it. That's how we do it. Oh, you froze. Okay, there you go. Oh, did I? Oh, did my freezing? No, you're good now. Okay. No, you're good. Well, good timing that I froze right at the end. <laughs> right when you were smiling. So okay. Your eyes were closed, so you're good. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Jason. That was good. Thanks so much. Yeah, that was good. That was good. Uh, yeah, that was good. You guys felt good on that one? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not the most rehearsed when it comes to it. I, I obviously we we train out in the field, and I, I've done. Yep. I just never immersed myself in it where it was my highest priority. Yep. Um, but obviously, our organization has specialists who you've <laughs> talked to today, and even our president Derek, who I know you know, like yeah. he he knows special finance better. Than oh yeah, we we've had most. several conversations about right. special so, finance. Yeah. Um, obviously, a lot of learning along the way. So no, I'm, this is. It's been good, and I, I think this one will bring a lot of value, or at the very I least. I think so, especially on the Canadian uh, side of the business. I've always been dumbfounded. I mean, you know, there are certain yeah. parts of the business where, you know, our counterparts across the border have always been a little ahead of us. I hate to say it, though. This is one part of the business where I feel like they're light years ahead of us. Absolutely. 100%. Like, just, 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 like, the biggest delta possible between between us yeah. is, is in and the F&I I department. I think our biggest restriction has always been, and it's not so much now, mm -hmm. uh, but again, like less than 10 years ago when I was in F&I, there was two banks. There was VFC and uh, what was the other one called? It's true. Um, not Scotia Dealer Advantage. Who, who it was did BMO. they before that? It was BMO, wasn't oh. it? Carfingo. Oh, Carfingo. Carfingo. Carfingo right. and VFC. That's all you had. That's right. That's right. I remember. Yep. And now how many lenders are there roughly? Uh, yeah, and, and 20. At least, right. and and I think that's where America has always been way ahead of us. How many yeah. banks did you have in America when you wanted to get a car finance? I had thirteen. I had thirteen. Right. When I when I did this, and guys, we're talking over fifteen years ago, right? When I did this, like I had thirteen non-prime right. lenders, and you know, I didn't have all these digital portals and all this other shit that they, you know, that they no, have now. Exactly. I mean, like, like I had, I am, I have to say that FDI managers today got it freaking easy. Like the yeah. fa the fax machine was yeah. still was still my was this was like I mean the amount of paper the amount of trees I killed being an F and I manager back then was, was right. ridiculous. Yeah, no, Curamax and Dealer Access, which was originally called, were uh, <laughs> a lifesaver for me. That's for sure. No you're, more fax and credit apps. 
You remember you had to fax in all the credit apps and then the fax machine would yeah. bust and then you'd have to fax and you had to sit there and wait and then you'd call the really? person okay, and you'd I don't review. remember this. I should, but I don't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, you were on the other was, end getting the fax credit What year was this? Like, what year? No, I'm kidding. But late nineties, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was gonna say ninety seven, ninety six. Yeah, that's that's just kind of how it was. Yeah. Like, I mean, now F and I managers they push a button. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, two buttons. For, they got to take all the yeah, info yeah. from one eighty into dealer track. That's true, button, and then hit submit, which is another like button. But yeah, you're two right. buttons. <laughs> well, yeah. even for booking out cars too. There's there's help with right. that too. Oh. Websites and yeah, online I I kept I kept my book. I remember I remember my. Uh, my dress pants were always stretched out because I had my book in my back pocket. Like, you know, your and it was your black book. My yeah, black book. I had my blue my, book. I had my blue book. Yeah. For me, it was blue book. Okay. But I had my blue book, you know, and it's just it, everywhere with me, right? Because, like, I, seriously, it was like I, back then, it was like the, the non prime department was me and the used car manager. That That's yeah. just how it was viewed. It just wasn't. There wasn't anybody else, you know. I mean, we weren't really thinking about, you know. And it's like if you had a new car customer that didn't qualify for Prime, then you were just flipping them to a used one, anyways. You didn't even try back then. You didn't even try to take a new car and do it right. into and do it into non-Prime. I mean, when I bought, I mean, clearly you guys know why I bought a Mitsubishi dealership now because of my love for non-Prime sure, <laughs> because 100%. they booked out beautifully. I mean, I was doing brand new Mitsubishis at you know nine to eighteen percent all day long, like. It was, yeah. No problem, right? Yeah, I worked in Brampton and Barry Mitsubishi, so I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> we, we converted a lot of them. We did. We converted a lot. Yeah. Even yeah. now, too. Sorry. No, go ahead. I jumped in there. Even now, too, with the subvention non-prime, the rates right. are amazing how are rates changing i i'm a little disconnected right now so i i have to admit like i i know you know rates in general have changed are are you're seeing lower and lower non-prime rates now from the lenders yeah i'm just curious not really not uh, it's, it's, it's no. like every captive jason it's the the, the, the chase for the reserve now right is that what it just, is there's so many of them they're just how to you know you get your volume bonuses and that's how they're you know eating yeah. each other's lunch and that's what the captives have been doing for years right yeah and, and if you're a smart f and i oh i get a hundred dollar bonus for an automatic approval i'm going to use cibc on this deal or i'll use bmo on this deal if the subprime's getting that way yeah. because the the you know the chart for where you stand is pretty straightforward how the car books what your beacon score is it's it's pretty cut and dry still as it always has been yeah but the yeah it's a, it's a race for a reserve and a now I'm curious out of training because you guys do so much training. Like, I mean, how many dealerships really have a thirst for non-prime, you know, training? Not a lot, right? Yeah, not a lot. Like, it doesn't make any sense. And even the ones that do, and, and Dina can speak to it more. Uh, even the ones that do, once you tell them everything they need to do, yeah. Sometimes we tend to lose. They tend to lose interest after that conversation as well. But Dina, you can answer that because <laughs> they realize how, they realize how much work well, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I would think there should be definitely more. So it's surprising for sure. Mm. Over the last weeks or so, ones that I have been in contact previously, reaching out to refresh and whatnot, which is good. I just feel like it definitely, it, sh it should be definitely a lot more dealers, definitely. Well, and you got to imagine that the people that are in the business right now, mm -hmm. they, they're thoroughly enjoying everyone else being asleep at the wheel. No, they're reaping all the benefits, totally all the rewards. <laughs> when you can get eighty or ninety percent of that thirty percent, because yeah. everyone else just isn't doing anything, 
they would love more than anything for that just to stay the same. I was talking, I was talking to a, a non-prime, what I consider to be a very good non-prime FI manager, and he said exactly what you just said. He goes, Jason, 100%. it's freaking Christmas. <laughs> he goes, every day. He's like every day. He's like he's like I have like I have my lead providers like like because nobody's buying leads because no one's spending right. money. He's like Dude, I literally have them. They're just giving them to me because they have nothing right. else to do with them. And I'm like he's like I it is Christmas. He's like I'm working ten twelve hours a day right now, and it is just like the dealership last month. You know they had one of their biggest. No, in April, sorry, in April, they had one of their biggest ones. And March, he's set up to do it. And it's the dealership surviving, though, because of that department. Absolutely. That's one of the reasons, right? That and the service department, right? Because we've always, because on the non-prime side, we've always been appointment only. Yeah. Like, this is, 100%. like, for, for like for us, like, this isn't, like, this is anything new. We've always been appointment only. What do you mean? Okay, fine. No big deal. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, the customer never test drives the car before before they before before they get them I get, I, they, they show up we, to sign and drive they don't even That's know it. what they're buying they don't even know we, what they're buying get, yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> it's totally true hey guys i know i've taken up a good chunk of your time today so i apologize but no thank i think you. this was this was oh, a great, was great conversation thank thanks steve thanks dina you guys have okay. yourself a good one appreciate it bye thank, thank you bye, bye.